This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy who once said the best cure for idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife and by Folklore Brewing and Meadery, quite literally the best brew in Alabama. Visit FolkloreBrewingAndMeadery.com. You are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. And man, we've got a great show lined up ahead of you here. A great show coming to you live via the podcast airwaves and the radio waves all over this fine nation. This wonderful looking guy behind me here to fix and play music for you tonight is the legendary John Reichman, everybody. John Reichman. Thank you. 
Coach Lamar program is brought to you by VisitNorthAlabama.org, the Mountain Lakes Tourist Association. Visit the 16 North Alabama counties and make this state what it is. Let's talk barbecue here for just a minute. Now you can visit the Mud Creek Restaurant in Hollywood, Alabama, off County Road 213. And you can get the tenderest pork you ever had. Or how about New Market Barbecue in New Market, Alabama, off Winchester Road? When you visit, tell them Sean sent you. And watch their eyes go blank when they answer who in the Sam Hill is Sean. And if you're sick and tired of having low cholesterol, get to Florence, Alabama, and visit Smokin' on the Boulevard Restaurant. You can taste dry rub meat, slow smoked over hickory coals. It will change your life, bless your heart, and make a believer out of you. So go visit the North Alabama Barbecue Trail today because whatever you do, you can do it better in North Alabama. So visit NorthAlabama.org or hashtag VisitNorthAL.
mail sent into us from listeners all over this fine nation who had nothing better to do than to put pen to paper and tell us a little bit about what they're feeling or to send us a letter asking us to cease and desist under threat of legal consequence. <laughs> that joke never gets old. Our first letter tonight comes from Gene in Franklin, Tennessee. Sean, I've not been sleeping well, not been sleeping well for a while. I have been coming through your podcasts all the way back to the first one, and your voice actually helps put me to sleep. (laughs) I don't mean this as a bad thing. I'm grateful for your stories, and I just wanted you to know that. But I also need to tell you that all those jokes you tell about your podcast helping people with insomnia, well, they're actually true. I hope you don't take this the wrong way. I mean it with all the best intentions. Your buddy, Gene. Well, dear Gene, if you can hear this, that means you're still awake. And I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, go to sleep. (laughs) Gregory from Fredericksburg, Tennessee. I got so excited when I saw your podcast was back on the air that I had to write you. I just had to write you. And that's it. I don't have anything funny to say, nothing poignant or touching or sad. Just thanks. I have a 45-minute commute to work every day, and it is enough to make me crazy. But your show is good for the drive across Texas. Your buddy Gregory. Well, Gregory, based on the previous message that I just received, I would offer you this stern warning on your commute. Do not operate heavy machinery while listening to this show. Leanne from Ashland, Nebraska. Ashland, Nebraska. My son and I have had a hard year. Sean, it has been hard. And I wanted you to know that my son listens to your show and enjoys every song. He loves bluegrass music. So if you could wish my son a happy birthday on your show, he would go crazy. He is going to be eight years old and his favorite kind of music has a mandolin in it. And that's why he wants to learn to play the mandolin. His name is Justin. Please do it if you have the time. Well, Justin, on behalf of everybody here tonight, good luck in your mandolin playing abilities and happy birthday, buddy. Laura from Miami, Florida. Sean, I just started sewing again for my family with my Singer sewing machine, and it has been a long time. In fact, I almost gave up sewing together because my kids have all grown up, and my grandkids, well, 
that buy all their clothes at stores, and there just isn't much a need for grandma's sewing anymore. When my kids were young, and we still lived in Kentucky, I used to make all their clothes. I would sew their names into their waistbands and in the collars of their shirts, and it was just the way we did things. My mom did the same thing for me, and her mom did the same thing for her. But now, times are so different, and I feel like some of the things I used to love doing are getting so much harder with my hands and their arthritis. Plus, the world is moving so fast that who cares about sewing and old art forms like that? Well, a few mornings ago, I just woke up and decided that I was going to do it, Sean. And so I did. I broke out my singer and started sewing again while listening to your shows to pass the time. I made a few shirts for my granddaughter. That's my letter. Take care and Happy New Year. Teresa from Chamayo, New Mexico. Chamayo, New Mexico. Dear Sean, come to New Mexico. I don't know what it will take to get you here, but I will do it. How about food? I could offer you some food that would be so spicy it would melt your face off. <laughs> or I could offer you some nice places to stay with views that will make your breath catch in your throat. You can see forever out here in the desert. I've heard that in some places you can see for six or seven miles uninterrupted on a clear day. There's not many places in the U.S. where that's the case. So anyway, come on down here. You'll like it, I promise. You'll have plenty of material to write about. I know that for sure. My neighbors, for instance, are Mexican, German, and Cherokee. You want stories? They have plenty. I'm originally from Alabama. I've got plenty too. But I prefer New Mexico now at this stage of my life. I prefer it for reasons I can't even name. So come and visit. Your friend Teresa. Well, dear Teresa, please get the guest bedroom ready. Your friend Sean. Brant Ford in Batesville, Arkansas. Dear Sean, you rarely mention Arkansas in any of your stories. I have lived here all my life. I'm a third generation Arkansas man. As of last night, I welcomed another generation into the world at 11.09 p.m. My son was born, my first son, and I am thinking that my life will never be the same again. I've wanted kids for a long time. But we were convinced that it just wouldn't happen for us. My wife is 35 and I'm 38. And childbearing years are nearing the end. But God made it happen. And when I held my son for the first time, I never knew that a human being could feel so much love for a tiny human being. You go the first half of your life thinking mostly of yourself, Sean. That's what I've learned. When you wake up in the mornings, you think about what you're going to eat and what you're going to do today. But when you have a kid, from the very first day, all you think about is that kid. Sometimes you never even think about yourself at all. It's a major mind shift. Anyway, please keep up the stories. Your pal, Bryant. Jessica from Norman, Oklahoma. 
Sean, I grew up playing softball, and I was a baseball fanatic all my life. My dad had one daughter, and that was it. So I got all his obsession channeled right at me. I learned all about his favorite players and all about how to play the game and about the infield fly. And we worked on batting until late hours in the evening and on pitching. He taught me everything I know. I went to school on a softball scholarship and I coached for a little while. My husband and I split up about 10 years ago, not long after my son was born. And recently, it has been up to me to teach my son baseball. People look at us funny in the park when I'm out there teaching them. Because most people, I guess, associate baseball with dads and sons. But the thing is, being with my son like this is so special. Because I feel like my dad's here with us. My dad died in 2003 from pancreatic cancer. And it was the hardest thing I ever went through. My son, you'll be glad to know, is actually pretty good. I think he's got a future in it. And I am so excited to help him on his baseball journey. So I thought you'd like to hear about that, since you like baseball, too. Your friend, Jessica. Jim in Fort Payne, Alabama. I had a great day last week when my wife of 23 years told me she was going to take us on a cruise. She's been saving money from a side job that she's had babysitting for a local family. And I had no idea she had been squirreling away money for so long. Sean, I've never been on a cruise before. And in fact, I'm a little nervous because I get motion sick. But I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. My wife and I both listen to your show. And we're glad that it's back. I hope it's back for a long time. I just wanted to wish her a happy anniversary. If you could read it over the air, it would really make her day. Our anniversary is on January the 10th, and her name is Patty. Well, dear Jim and dear Patty, enjoy that cruise into the tropical lands, and happy 23rd anniversary! <laughs> Sam, Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham. Sean, I was deployed overseas active duty when I first found your podcast. Seems like forever ago. I started using it to help me sleep. <laughs> I feel like I'm hearing a lot of this lately. And it worked. I would fall asleep with your voice in my ear. I just saw you live for the first time a few weeks ago, and it was a weird experience. When the band started to play and I heard your voice live and in person, I realized that I have literally been hearing your voice in my subconscious for hours. It was very, very strange. Get out of my head. I wanted to come up to you after the show and give you a big hug and a hearty thank you. But I didn't have the guts because I'm just not that kind of guy. So here it is. Here's my hearty thank you. And keep the stories coming. Your friend Samuel. Well, dear Samuel, thank you for the letter. I appreciate it very much and everybody else who wrote. And I think I'm finally starting to embrace the fact that whoever you are and wherever you are listening to this show right now, I will see you in your dreams. And that's letters from our listeners. Letters from our listeners. 
Now let's have another tune here from John Reisman, everybody. John Reisman.
recently I was in Birmingham on U.S. Highway 280, sitting in rush hour traffic. It was a sunset sky, which was the color of pink and cool steel, tinged with blue, and there were sherbet ice cream clouds smeared all over the atmosphere. Beautiful, beautiful evening. There's nothing like an Alabama evening. New Year's was just around the corner, and U.S. Highway 280 is not known for its swift moving traffic. In fact, if you ride 280 during rush hour traffic, you will find that it moves as smoothly as an 87-year-old man's digestive tract. <laughs> I was looking at a 747 million mile line of neon red taillights and white headlamps stretching back toward the horizon, and it was beginning to dawn on me that I was not going to be getting home until sometime after the installation of the next pope. <laughs> and so I did what all men do who drive outdated Fords, which I do. I drive a 23-year-old Ford truck, which I inherited from my father-in-law. It had rust on it when I inherited it, because this thing will last forever. And it has lasted forever. It's the greatest thing I own. And I, I won't get rid of it on principle. I, even if it does break down eventually one day, God forbid, knock on wood, I will keep that thing in my backyard propped up on cinder blocks because those are the people I come from. <laughs> we cherish our cars. Now, that's not to say I've taken care of this truck. I have not. The passenger floorboard of my truck is so littered with trash that dates back to the Roosevelt administration. That when I was cleaning out one day to let someone ride with me, I was taken to the dentist. I, I, found, I found little leaflets growing out of the garbage pile with serrated edges, and I realized that ferns were growing in my truck. <laughs> Somehow, fern spores had entered into my truck and were beginning a new life for themselves. I've never been so proud. So I fiddled with the radio. Because my truck doesn't have a CD player. It's never had a CD player. And it, the tape player went to be with Jesus several years ago. And besides, there's only so much, uh, many tapes that I have left. They don't even make them anymore. So I'm tired of listening to the same old Benny Goodman that I inherited from my mother-in-law. And the Engelbert Humperdinck tapes I inherited from my father-in-law, which came with the truck. So I fiddled with the radio and looked around for stations. I don't know if you've listened to radio lately. Radio has gone downhill, big time. There was a time when you could listen to the radio and you could hear beautiful music because everybody listened to the radio and thus the gods of radio had to channel their product toward the mainstream and the vast majority of listeners which was people who appreciated melodies, people who appreciated song lyrics that were clever. Today, radio is not aimed at these people. Radio is aimed at children. I don't know why, because most people who buy cars and they're young people buy cars with capabilities of playing playlists and connecting to streaming services. They don't listen to AM, FM radio in brand new cars these days. 
So why the gods of radio are playing modern music, techno-electrified music, for young people on the radio is beyond me in as much as the majority of listeners of the radio these days are people who still drive 23-year-old Ford model trucks that only have an AM, FM radio. Today's music just doesn't do it for me. It sounds like two lawnmowers committing an immoral act. Like chainsaws trying to whistle Dixie. It's a horrible... It's a horrible version of music that is mostly produced by the computer. And when it comes to country, don't even get me started. I don't mean to be ugly. But the kind of country music I grew up with was not a young man with a tight butt with glitter on his jeans wearing a pair of $1,800 boots and a chambray shirt that costs more than a Honda Civic singing about doing hard day's work when his hands are baby smooth and he ain't never done a hard day's work in his life. Not in country. But I was listening to a station that was playing classic country, and it was nice. They were, they were playing songs by Johnny, who was singing about a boy named Sue, and songs by Merle, who was singing about Carolyn, and Don Williams, who was singing about Amanda, and Willie, who was singing about an angel who flew too close to the ground, and Conway Twitty's anthem to immoral women everywhere, there's a tiger in them tight-fitting jeans. <laughs> Which was a song my mother really appreciated. And this is the reason why she was kicked out of women's Bible study. <laughs> and as I was flipping through the radio, I was looking around in traffic, this long string of taillights, and I noticed beside me was a gooseneck horse trailer painted in rust attached to a Dodge Dooley, rumbling, rumbling next to me. My windshield was starting to, to rattle. And in this trailer was a white horse looking right at me. And I lowered the volume on my radio, and I looked at this horse, and I was just in love with this thing. Now, something you might not know about me, or, or even would care about, is that I used to be obsessed with horses. Now, I come from horse people. I myself am not an athlete, and riding horses is an athletic skill, and thus I was never any good at it. But I did grow up riding horses, and I'll never forget, we used to ride bareback because a lot of the people I come from were too cheap to entrust their fancy saddles to a bunch of children, and so we rode bareback. Today, you would probably get hauled into the state penitentiary for this if you're a parent. Today, parents are, are not into letting their kids do dangerous things. I just read a study that said that they have outlawed tetherball in many public schools and foursquare and kickball due to injuries. Today, parents send their kids off with cellular phones that can track their GPS movements across the country and the parents text their kids and say, text me when you leave, text me when you get there, and text me when you're leaving there. When I was a kid and we left the house, our parents smacked us on the butt and said goodbye. 
But we rode bareback, and I'll never forget when I fell off my first horse. My buddy's daddy, Mr. Todd, was a uh, wiry-looking cowboy fella. And he came up to me as I was fleeing on the ground after falling off the horse that was in a mid-canter, and he was galloping away from me. Mr. Todd picked me up by my shoulders. He dusted me off and slapped my back and my butt and got all the, the grass off me. And he said, I want you to look at that horse. And he brought the horse back around to me. And we looked at each other in the eyes. He said, I want you to get back on that horse. And I'll never forget that. And I did. I got back on that horse. And I fell off again. Which also brought new men into that expression. Sometimes, perhaps, it's just better to quit. <laughs> but I looked at this horse, and I was just in love with it. And this horse was looking at me. And the great thing about this horse is it was taking it all in. It was just staring at me and the traffic surrounding us. It was just breathing the Alabama air and chewing its alfalfa hay, flicking its ears and whipping its tail. And it looked so happy. Even amidst the blue exhaust and the rumbling diesel engines and the eight cylinders and six cylinders and four cylinders all rattling around this horse, it was just happy. And it looked at me with his almond eyes and blinked. And I looked around traffic and I realized this horse had other admirers too. Ahead of me was a, a Nissan Altima filled with teenagers. And these teenagers had lost their stuff. They were so excited over this horse. They rolled down the window, leaned out, and started yelling, Hey, horsey! Pretty horsey! Look at me, horsey! And one of the girls was flailing her arms, and another boy was gyrating his body out of that window, waving to get that horse's attention, just flopping around like a guest on the Jerry Springer show. And after a few minutes, I just watched these kids, these obnoxious teenagers, carry on, flail around like that for several minutes. And I decided it was the most ridiculous and immature display of childish behavior that I had ever seen in my life. And I wanted to be part of it. <laughs> and so I rode down my window and I leaned out. And I joined them. I waved at that horse. I said, hey, horsey. Hey, how you doing, horsey? And no sooner had my window rolled down, and no sooner had I started waving to this animal than I realized I was not alone. There were several people in traffic who were leaning out their car windows or rolling down their automatic windows and waving and I realized that I shared something in common with my fellow man that evening in America. We were, all, we were all very, very similar in that moment, regardless of our differences in race, creed, or tax income bracket status. We were all idiots for a horse. There was a man in a Land Rover Defender in a nice suit who was throwing his hand out, waving at this horse, saying, Hey, horsey! Hey, horsey! And there was a young woman in a, in a newer model VW Bug who was also rolling down her window, blowing kisses to this horse. There was an old couple in a Jeep Wrangler, and they were looking at this horse, and they were waving double-handed waves, trying to get this horse's attention. It was really something. And this animal just took it all in and blinked at us and 
kept chewing its legume hay. Over time, I lost track of that livestock trailer in traffic. And I was, I was remembering as a child all the, all the obsession with horses I used to have. I used to draw pictures of horses in notebook tablets. And I was pretty good at drawing a quarter horse. I used to go to the library and check out books on horses. I knew exactly which horse I was going to get. I was going to get a Missouri Fox Trotter. I read National Velvet once a year, whether I needed it or not. I read My Friend Flicka. I loved the movies, the horse movies. Black Stallion is probably one of the best horse movies ever made. I loved horses. I really did. And while I was thinking about all this, I started looking around me in traffic. And I started noticing other things, too. I started noticing the varying hues of humanity that were around me. And there was a lot to notice. Ahead of me, there was this young man driving a souped-up Cadillac with a stereo system that was emitting bass notes that were loud enough to liquefy metal and change the climate. (laughs) He was leaned way back in his seat, way back, perilously far back, until all you could see was the little crown of his head, and he looked at me, and he gave me the one-fingered wave. (laughs) Also in traffic next to me was a Kia Sophia with a young couple inside it, and they were having a heated argument. That young woman was just throwing her hands all over the place, and that young man was looking down at his lap, and he noticed me staring at them, and he turned his head to look out the window ever so gently, and I could tell by that look on his face what he was thinking. I could sum up that look on his face in two words. Help me. (laughs) And I saw a young couple who had shoe polish written on the back of their windshield that said, just married. And they were listening to music in their car. And I saw a van full of inmates on work release, and they were staring out their windows, each one of him looking out the glass with the entire weight of the universe laden on his back. And I saw an ambulance cutting through traffic, sirens whining and blaring off to save a life. And there was a minivan that pulled up next to me. And the minivan had tinted windows. And behind the tinted windows, I could see childhood bodies. And they were just gyrating to loud children's music. And I could see from their faces they were singing. They were singing at the tops of their lungs. And in the front seat, God love him, I could see a middle-aged dad. And even though this man was exhausted, even though he was tired, because you could see it on his face, his mouth was straight open, and he was singing full blast. Greater love hath no man than to sing like an idiot with his kids. As he cruised up forward a little bit, I saw some of the compulsory stickers that people and average suburbanites have on their, the backs of their minivans. There was the 26.2 miles sticker. There was the stick figure family sticker. And I started to remember some of the games my mother and I used to play when I was a kid after my father died. We used to have this game called Collect the Bumper Stickers. It was a road trip game. Once on a road trip to Texas, I collected 336 bumper stickers, a record which has not been broken. 
Some of the greatest bumper stickers I ever saw were bumper stickers like, I'm speeding because my kid has to go pee. <laughs> or, I think, therefore I am still single. <laughs> or, I bet Jesus would have used his turn signal. Driver carries no cash. He's married. <laughs> and my personal favorite, proud parent of an average student. <laughs> and as I was chewing on these old memories, I started to think about my life. I started to think about However, every year I get a little bit older, and I'm one year farther removed from that little kid who used to draw pictures of horses and notebooks, and go check out books from the library with pictures of Missouri foxtrotters in them and quarter horses. I tried to think about when did this middle-aged man with the stiff joints take over my life? When did the man with the receding hairline replace the kid? in the mirror who had the buckshot freckles and the splotchy cheeks. Where did that little boy go? And I remembered the times growing up when I would daydream sitting at a little desk by my window, a little pine wood desk my mother had bought me, and the little Latera 32 typewriter seafoam grain which my mother had given me because she thought perhaps I might want to write stories, and I would write stories about horses, of all things. He's just farther away from me than he used to be. And all this thought is enough to make you a little bit nostalgic. And truly, it's enough to make you a little sad sometimes, if you let it. But then something happens to you. You get this sudden flash of awareness. It can happen to you in the grocery store checkout line. It can happen to you in the drugstore. It can happen to you on 280, U.S. Highway 280, while sitting in rush hour traffic. You look around yourself, and you see things you didn't see before. You see people. You see a young couple who loves each other enough to argue about it inside their Kia. And you see inmates so even though life has beat them down and they have every reason to give up and quit trying, don't. And you see, you see people who are commuting back and forth to work just to earn enough bread to feed their family. And you see a young man who has children in the back of his minivan who can think of nothing better to do than to open his mouth and sing at the top of his lungs, even if his voice sounds like a Labrador with a chest cold. And you see people, ordinary people, who are occasionally sometimes so overcome with the beauty of this world and the beauty of all that is before us, around us, above us, and below us, that they can think of nothing better to do than to roll down their window and wave at a horse. Well, I don't care what they say. 2022 is going to be a great year. Hey, thank you very much for having me this evening. It's been a wonderful pleasure.
Thanks for listening to Shown in the South. I've been your host tonight, Sean Dietrich, and mine has been a bona fide privilege coming to you live via the podcast airwaves. This episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition in my family dating back to my granddaddy who once said the best cure for idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife and my folklore brewing in Meadry, quite literally the best brew in Alabama. That music you heard behind me tonight was John Reichman, Grammy Award-winning musician and foundational mandolinist, composer, band leader, and musical educator in bluegrass and North American roots music. A member of the groundbreaking Tony Rice unit, Reichman's mastery of bluegrass, old-time swing, and multiple Latin American musical styles, coupled with old master's sense of tone, taste, and musicality, has brought him a global reputation. His latest CD, New Time and Old Acoustic on Corvus Records, blends a lifetime of musical influences into an engaging recording. You don't want to miss it. Visit johnrashman.com. Find anything more about what I do, you can visit seanofthesouthshow.com. And there you can find archived episodes dating back to our very first episode all the way to this episode, which you just heard, although I don't know why. You must have terrible taste in podcasts. While you're there, you can drop me a line. Tell me about your birthday announcements, wedding invitations, and potluck socials, and I'll do my best to read that over the air for my friends, because I love to do that sort of stuff for my friends. And friends, when you find yourself in times of trouble, just let it be. Adios. Adios.